Welcome to the Resound Worship Songwriting Podcast, episode 15. I'm Joel Payne from Resound Worship. I'm Sam Hargreaves from EngageWorship.org. And this is a podcast to equip and inspire grassroots songwriters serving their local church. In this episode, we'll be dissecting the classic song, My Jesus, My Saviour, reviewing the May challenge of lively praise songs, setting a new challenge for June, exploring how to record a demo in the workshop, and responding to your tweets, posts, and emails. Sam, we're back for episode 15. Well, hey. Well, hey, how's it going? What's going it's on going over there? It's going all right, and... yeah, it's going good. Um, well, I've had a couple of songs that uh, we've been working on a lot, and they are getting ready. Um, I think the recordings are sort of being mixed and fiddled with, uh, ready to post. So I'm quite excited about those. And one of them is uh, it was one of the Easter songs that we were writing as part of the 12 Song Challenge. And I think if this one makes it to the Resound website, it will be the first 12 Song Challenge song to to kind of see that yes. kind of light of day. We should have a fanfare. <laughs> but yeah, I'm excited about that. And there's another one as well. And they're both kind of on the theme of the book that me and Sarah are writing of kind of connecting uh, worship with whole life. So yeah, I'm really excited about those. Brilliant. Uh, and I've also been uh, listening to lots of other podcasts because I'm here in Sweden. I'm a little bit starved of <laughs> culture and interaction. Are you um, saying there's no culture in Sweden? Not so much in the in the uh, countryside here. Yeah, on a farm. <laughs> no. So uh, I've been listening to this podcast called Song Exploder, which I thought people, if they haven't heard it, they might want to uh, check it out. Um, it's uh, basically this guy called Rish K. Sherway, and he uh, also does the West Wing Weekly, which I've been evangelizing to you about, Joel, <laughs> yes. uh, which is also a great podcast. Um, but basically he goes to really mainstream artists and gets them to talk about how they wrote a song and what they also do is they play their demos they play the individual stems of the songs so you get to hear like Björk's original demo wow. you know walking along the beach side singing some particular song and then yeah. she'll talk about how she developed it so um it's kind of the warning for for you know um sensitive Christians is that it's not a Christian podcast yeah um they're not talking about <laughs> writing worship songs so some of the things are not immediately applicable but um, I think in terms of, you know, expanding your idea of how people write songs, um, the one one that struck me was the guy from Weezer. I don't know if people remember the, the band Weezer. I'm just a teeny baby. Was that then? No. Wasn't it? No, they did. That was Wheatus. Wheatus, yeah. Buddy Holly. Oh, Ooh, I you look. Whenever I do this, Joel, you always get the wrong <laughs> band. <laughs> It's amazing. I should. This should be a regular feature in the podcast. <laughs> Sam mentions a band. Joel tries to sing a song. Sam says, "No, that wasn't them." <laughs> Tell us about Weezer. Weezer. He. What he does. The first thing in his, his thing is he goes and finds like old fifties and sixties pop songs and records the chord changes on his thrashy electric guitar and then puts the file away somewhere on his computer with a different name. And then he'll come back to it like six months later and improvise uh, over that, that chord progression. Um, and then he also, he does it vocally, but he also says, because he's a fairly sort of poor piano player, a bit like me, he, he'll improvise a melody on the piano and he's got just enough facility to, to make a simple melody. But he also says, you know, it'll make me do jumps and stuff that you wouldn't necessarily, you know, you would probably sing by step more than you would jump. But on the piano, you see it there. And so you sort of play the jump. 
That's cool. That's that's like what you know. What I was saying last time how I I wrote a little melody on the guitar for exactly, exactly. the same reason. Yeah. yeah, yeah, exactly. And then he's got. I mean, if, if you want to listen to it, he's got this whole thing about how he writes lyrics. He takes snatches of ideas and he puts them into a database, and he's literally. Um, got them filed under how many syllables this particular line is and whether it you know it's a weak strong stress or a strong weak stress and then he'll just go through and like find all the lyrics that he's written down in his database and put them to his melody and it's I mean it would be a mad way to write a worship song but it does open your eyes are you, are you thinking about a 12 song challenge <laughs> I think we will get some very odd songs but um you know it's and there's lots of different um approaches that people take but I, I thought that was really helpful so if people are interested in that it's called song exploder cool that's all i have to say nice ask, ask me what i've been doing <laughs> <laughs> sorry i'm not a very good host um so what have you been doing joel well sam i've been to sweden oh did you yeah it nice it was very nice i went to visit my good friend sam hargreaves Aww. on a beautiful farm in the middle of Sweden, uh, we had a lovely time, didn't we? Um, we had for some reason, weather, we had we? amazing weather, heat wave. Yeah, so it really sort of nice. spoiled Sweden for us now. So it was me, Rhiannon and Huck came out. We actually spent a few days in um, Denmark and Copenhagen and then took the train across the bridge and we sang, that, we sang the tune on the way across. Did you ever watch the bridge? That wasn't the bridge, that was... I'm joking, just because you watched the wrong thing. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, anyway, we came and then we came up to, to, to see you up there near Odebru, and oh, we absolutely loved it. We had we went out into a sort of paddock on the edge of the farm somewhere and toasted sausages on a fire. Yeah, we did. Man, yeah. Sam, you're so much more manly than I ever thought you would be, having seen <laughs> you out there on that farm chopping wood and so wow. on. Yeah, yes. it was really lovely, really idyllic. We went to church. In Swedish, it's quite similar to church in English, to be honest. Yeah, I'm afraid you had us leading worship as well. So oh, that's true. Yeah, that's you didn't right. get the full experience. No, it was cool. It was good. Um, uh, but apart, so actually, that filled up quite a lot of the last month, um, and we had a really fantastic time. Uh, been working on those recordings, like you say. We've got another couple coming from. We've got this little um, group writing for uh, Judy, Joe, Geraldine, and Carey writing together in London. This kind of doing a bit of an experiment over the course of six months or so. Mm. Um, the same kind of process we do with songwriting, which is taking stuff away, working on it, bringing it back. But they're doing it really collaboratively and then they're swapping and, and they're starting the songs together and so on. Um, and they're just starting Great. to emerge. And there's a lovely quality to the songs. They're quite different, I think, to um, some of the other ones we've published in the past. So I'm really excited about that. One of the things that I've been doing, I don't think I mentioned this last month, um, but I do mention it most places I go, is I've done a bit of guide running. So, I, you know, I'm quite into running. Yeah. My friend Nick has got into running. Nick is blind, and so uh-huh. he asked me recently if I would do some guide running for him, um, and I was very nervous about it. It turns out he's very good at not falling over, and so <laughs> so it's fine, actually, and it's fine. But do you fall over more than him? Uh, almost. But the thing that the thing that struck me about it, and this this is what people do preach sermons. We're always making these links. Is, in it a funny me way, of songwriting, because there's a thing in songwriting which is. Basically, or songwriting, leading a song or writing a song is you, you produce something like you plan a route or something and then you're basically saying, trust me, I'm going to follow you through mm. this and there might be a jump and I'm going to make sure you don't trip over it. And that's one of the things I think, and I've heard Andy Piercy say this in the past, people get, people can be nervous of, that's why they don't wholeheartedly join in a song, is if they think, 
I can't trust the terrain. I can't yeah. trust that you're not going to lead me somewhere I won't go wrong. Then they won't really join in and they don't get the tunes on. But if you can write it in such a way that there's enough of a clue coming up early on or repetition or whatever it is that they understand and they, and they can follow where it's going, then they can, they can go for it. So there you go. That's my very clever parallel between guide running and songwriting. I like that. That sounds cool. Thanks very much. Should we go to some correspondence? Yeah. Um, we've had a couple of... Uh, we've had a few people actually get in touch because I said, um, I think in the last podcast, that um, I thought uh, we should try and find some more clergy to write mm. hymns because that's basically kind of how it used to happen in the olden days and so on. And I think it would be a really cool thing. And a few people have got in touch. So Stuart Chaplin has told me we should check out Matt Searles, um, which I did do, but I couldn't... He's sort of got an album that is going to appear in a few days, I think, and I couldn't get anything okay. to play. So, but I will. I promise you, I will check that out. And um, Fiona Scott as well sent us um, a couple of different clergy who are writing stuff up in Scotland. Uh, so it's really cool. I'd love to yeah. love to hear about some other people. Also, I had a tweet from Michael Whitaker. Now, I don't know if you ought to read this out because you see, Michael Whitaker has sent a tweet in response to I think episode three of the, <laughs> the podcast. Um, because where we start talking about uh, Romans 11 songs and doxologies. So he said, go and have a look at Andrew Peterson, who's written a doxology song, which I did. I listened to it. It's great. It's a good song. Um, but my, my fear is that Michael won't hear this until sort of 2017 sometime. <laughs> He's catching up. But, but this is anyway. the thing about podcasts is that people can, you know, they can go back to the old ones. And I, yeah, I think it's just going to happen. That's true. It? We don't but... know what year it is, Michael, when you're listening to this. But, um, <laughs> <laughs> I hope all is going well for you. Um, but we also had um, in uh, email from Fiona, um, she asked a question which I thought would be a great one for us just to look at for a minute. She said, I was also wondering on your thoughts on the term worship leader that has become prevalent in our Christian jargon. You guys seem to use it a lot in the podcast. Personally, I like to think of myself as a band leader or music facilitator because music and singing aren't the only aspects of worship in a church service. Sam, over to you. <laughs> okay well I think firstly I would want to agree that the word worship does not mean simply singing songs in church and that's a, a danger of using this phrase worship leader worship time worship song is that we think oh right well worship is just that bit where we stand and sing in church and that uh, is definitely not what the bible um, tells us about worship so I think whether to use the phrase worship leader um, it does depend a lot on your church. It does depend on how you're going to fill that that role in that term. Um, one option is to say we're going to call this person the song leader or the band leader or the I think Catholics use the phrase pastoral musician, oh, wow. things like that. Um, you know, worship cool. minister, music minister, and there's a lot of different phrases around, um, and you could go for that. I suppose for me, I want to go the other way. And I want to say, if worship is bigger than singing, then let's encourage people to be worship leaders who take on that bigger role. So I don't see myself simply as somebody who chooses songs. I see myself somebody who has a role in shaping the whole service, uh, who encourages prayer, scripture reading, intercession, confession, and also even points towards the bigger thing of people worshipping with their whole lives and maybe encourages and points outwards so I guess you could take it two ways either you say well let's limit that role and that might be perfectly you know all you know some people they are great musicians but they're not brilliant at leading prayer they're not brilliant at you know yeah. thinking about scripture reading. so that's fine let's call them the sung worship leader or but for me 
I would rather say, well, I'm going to take response, you know, I'm going to try and play my part in taking responsibility for that wider sense of what worship is. And that's, that's why I, I would continue using the phrase worship leader. Uh, I also have quite a lot of sympathy with um, Fiona's question. And I, I sort of, yeah, I sort of agree. And except that, where's that band leader, a music facilitator? <laughs> I don't want to be, I don't know, certainly not music facilitator. Um, <laughs> I feel like, but anyway, um, it's... It, <laughs> Sounds I like you work for a council, doesn't yeah, it? Yeah, it does a bit. Um, and bec- and the, that's the point, I think, it, that is actually more than that. It's not yes. just about making some music. And and what's the what's the biggest danger? That our, our music just becomes about music or that, our, or that we confuse music with worship, if you see, see what I mean. And I would yes. think I would rather encourage that to be a, a real... Uh, that sense of it being a real spiritual time in the presence of God's engaging with him and so on than the alternative yeah i'm certainly a stickler for saying this is the sung worship time or now we're going to sing some songs of worship and if people say to me well you know let's worship now meaning let's sing in worship then i tend to (laughs) sort of jump on it and say uh hang on yeah what are we doing here um but yeah i can see both there's also that phrase isn't there lead worshiper yeah and I struggle with that a little bit because that, I think, has this idea that somebody stands at the front and they worship and we all look at them and copy their worship. And that, you know, that might be a, a model and I guess it would work in some context. But I don't I don't feel that that's the role that I have when I'm standing at the front is just to worship and hope that everyone copies me. I want to actually, you know, lead people. Yeah. Um, it know. is actually about leading, isn't it? Yeah. 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 It's back to guide running, basically, Joel. Yeah. Your idea of guide, you know, that we're, we're guides and that we're, we are doing right. some... We're like guide a... runners. Yeah, yeah. definitely. Um, uh, my, the other thing I was going to say is that, it, for me, it's a bit like the word missionary. You know how we sort of, nowadays people say, oh, but well, we're all missionaries because mission isn't just going overseas and doing... And that, I think that's a really similar thing. Where at the same time, it's just a word and we know what it means. And if we don't use it, we have to come up with another word. Exactly. Which in, in, often is no better. And it, it does that, you know, it does convey what they are actually doing. Um, mm. So, yeah, I think I basically, for me, because it's the word that most people use, and I would probably rather err on that side. But actually, I often, just like you, in a service, if I speak, I will often talk about singing because mm. I don't think there's any particular need to say this is more worship than that. And the, and the other thing, which I'm going to throw in controversially, is that whilst I think that not all worship is singing, I don't think all singing is worship. Yeah. If we're going to take that kind of narrowness of the... Uh, the a certain kind of narrow definition, yeah. if we're going to give it any narrowness. Because actually the reasons we sing in church are not just to facilitate some kind of encounter with God, but they're actually to... to um, reaffirm our community identity there there are tribal reasons there are reasons for learning truth there all and all these things we do them of course in the presence of god and in 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 the, in the midst of his body and so on but we sometimes confuse if we sing let's all turn our eyes heavenward we don't actually have to that's not the yeah. only reason for singing so yeah. um yeah maybe maybe we need to change our language or maybe not <laughs> we'll leave it to you excellent it's time to dissect a classic. Dissect a classic. Did you like my jingle last time, Sam? Did you listen? I loved it. I always listen. Um, yeah, it was pretty much as bad as the 12 Song Challenge jingle. I think it was. Uh, maybe um, maybe we should actually do 12 Song Challenge jingles. Not like, not as in 
jingles As for in, the do church. a challenge about maybe yeah. we should do an interview with someone who's good at writing and recording jingles what for what for in church so we kind of it's time for worship exactly yeah they do that in american mega churches they have do little they? jingles yeah i've i've been to a church that will remain unnamed but they had like a little jingle and a little video thing between an actual jingle oh it's so like an ident they call it ding ding ding, ding bum bing oh, well, sermon that's time good. yeah all right send us in your jingles <laughs> <laughs> they can't be worse than jobs we're going to dissect the classic song my jesus my savior or shout to the lord by darlene we're going to go with check aren't we yeah it's check. check isn't it yeah well i don't know that for certain but i'm just going to be confident i don't know that for certain <laughs> for certain darlene check australian darlene so this is a song written i think it was 1993 it came out wasn't it and um Darlene's been interviewed about this a number of times and so the story is out there about what she did and, and the kind of story goes that she was a worship leader in the church and um, I don't know if she'd written a lot of songs but she and her husband ran a, a small business, it was struggling, they got a tax bill, it, you know, it looked like they'd go under and she's like, I cannot cope with this anymore. She went and shut herself in a room, sat at her piano, opened up the Bible to those, those Psalms 96 onwards, the Ascent Psalms and just started to sing and basically this song came out she said it took about 20 minutes and she didn't really write it she just sang it that's annoying isn't it annoying it's so inspiring and annoying every time you hear yeah. that um and so she sat on it for a while didn't know what to make of it and and eventually she went and played it to her worship pastor who was jeff bullock um in um sydney and made him turn her face the other way while she sang it to him <laughs> and then um it's a good, it's a good tactic i think and then um sang it and he said this is a great song we've got to sing this and and then it obviously it's you know it's become the song that we all know and it's been sung all over the world and there's a kind of i read an estimate that i don't know if this is true but that it's sung by 25 to 30 million people every sunday that's crazy isn't it there's a lot of people singing one song the first thing i want to say is that it's completely plausible that it was written in 20 minutes and it just poured out. You know, sometimes <laughs> people say, the Lord gave me this song and you think, yeah. mm, I can totally believe this one because it poured out and yeah. it has the sense of just a cascade of a pouring out of praise, doesn't yeah. it? And I think that's really good. And every single line is packed with quality and substance. Yeah. And that kind of cascade and stream of consciousness is so powerful and so enriching. But sometimes that cascade... You know, if you she's got the scriptures in front of her and she's just picking out the lines and singing them, and I think that's yeah. really wonderful. So that's the strength of it. It is essentially a psalm, and I actually before I probably looked into it, I just thought this is a psalm with a sort of Jesus tacked on the front of it. Yeah. Um, and that the other thing I think that gives it a real strength is in the chorus. It just it hammers the tonic. So there you go. As a tip, I think for for writing a good chorus, um, yeah. give me a B flat, Sam. Um. Da, 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 da. It just, it's, you know, there are other notes that dance around it, but it's essentially and that's the tonics, the root note, it's the solid note, yeah. it's the strong note. And it's out of pitch with a B flat where the whole congregation can welly it. Yeah. And quite often that note ends up being a D or something like that. And actually it's just a bit too high for quite a lot of people to really mm. to really attack. So I think that's one of the strengths of it is that the, the strongest note and the word shout comes out on this solid, the most the strongest note and it's really singably strong as well. Yeah, I agree. I think that the melody, I mean, the words are great, um, but I think the melody is what is what has carried this song all around the world. 
Um, and when you think about it, there are lots of little different melodies as the song goes through, and I guess that gives it interest. But there's also a lot of use of repetition. So these starts off, the my Jesus. And then basically the same melody, but but sort of starting a bit lower, my savior. So they call that a sequence uh, in music writing, how you have a, a, a phrase. And then if you just move that phrase up or down, uh, then it's called writing sequentially. Oh, cool. And then, um, Lord, there is none like you all of my days. I want to praise mm. all of my days. I want to praise. Lovely kind of cascading melody repeated exactly. So the con congregation are very confident in it. Um, and the same, you know, in the second, the, the second half of the, uh, of the verse as well. Uh, but then the, the second half of the verse also ramps up, doesn't it? To the, yeah. to the chorus. It's got that, if you remember back to the Graham Kendrick uh, interview we did really early on, it's got that sense of it. He talks about, you know, reloading, kind of pulling back, ready to kind of fire off into the chorus again. Um, kind of really reloads you back to sort of launch into the chorus. And then the chorus, again, is very repetitious. Shout to the Lord of the earth. Power, as yeah. you say, on that B flat. But I think it's significant as well how repeated that that sense those um those melodic ideas are and i think that's what makes people feel really confident in it those strong notes the b flats that they're on the word shout power mountains yeah. i mean you couldn't yeah. get stronger words could you yeah it's good isn't it um okay sam uh here is my controversial idea for how i would improve it um well how i would improve it. if darlene had brought it to me and we often say we're glad that these people didn't we'd, <laughs> we'd have butchered the songs but the thing i would have just said is it's basically an Old Testament psalm with Jesus tacked on the first line. And of course it makes sense to have to understand Jesus as part of the Old Testament description of God. But there's no real way in which that's fleshed out. And if you just had almighty creator or something, I'm not going to pick something as good in a way, but it would just make more sense. It's not really about Jesus. It's about God more broadly, and so I think it'd be better. And I think that's sometimes a weakness in songs is that we just use Je we use the word Jesus, where actually it'd be better to talk about God, because we're not kind of homing in on Jesus the Son. Yeah, see, I disagree um, because I think I was reading a thing the other day, and it was talking about how often Christian worship songs are influenced by the Psalms because it's it's the most obvious place to go but we don't read them necessarily Christologically. Now, I'm not saying she is doing a, a very detailed Christological reading of the Psalms, but I think what she's doing is bringing a, a New Testament angle into the picture, which is this God who is so mighty and so great and so powerful and so awesome is also coming to us, you know, in a personal way in Christ. Um, so that, that would be my counter-argument. <laughs> Feel free to disagree. No, it's all right. God, what would you do? Well, what I would do... Um, no, I, actually I, think the... I totally disagree, Sam. Okay, fair enough. No, carry on. Um, is that, that... My issue is not with G bringing Jesus into it. My, my issue is the emphasis on my Jesus. Um, and if I... For, for example, if I say to you, I love my wife, that's a very different thing to saying... I love my wife or I love my wife yeah. where we put the emphasis on words in English is really important. And if I say, I love my wife, suddenly there's this weird emphasis on me. Like, Oh, are you saying that other people don't or, you know, it, it kind of puts the emphasis and the way that this song goes, my Jesus, it's got that real emphasis on my Jesus. 
So what I would do is um, I would put Jesus as the on the downbeat. My Jesus, my sin. That's a bit naff, but something that puts Jesus on the kind of strong beat yeah, yeah. and makes Jesus the, because um, it would work as well. My comfort, my shelter. You would yeah. you would emphasise that aspect of it. Currently, it feels like the my is being underlined. My my and my, I my, think, my. Yeah, when actually the rest of the song is very much about God. It's yeah. very much about what he's done and his power. So I, I just think it's a little bit misleading almost that, that that my is so strong. I think, Sam, in some ways we've brought the same critique about different things. That Essentially, there's a first mm-hmm. line, which in itself is not saying the things that are wrong. But if you're going to do it that way, you kind of need to build your song a bit more around it. So yeah. You could, you, your song can be about, isn't it amazing that, that I'm kind of, this is my saviour. But yeah. you sort of want to return to that idea almost to, to recapitulate it, don't you? Yeah. Or isn't it amazing that this God who did is Jesus, is the mm. saviour? Um, mm. Yeah. But we're not going to mess with it, really, are we? I don't think you'll let us. No, probably not. <laughs> <laughs> it's time for the 12 Song Challenge. 12 Song Challenge. How's it been this month, Sam? It's been okay. Lively um, praise song. Lively praise songs. I suppose I have struggled because I think it's difficult to write a simple song. And it's funny because I was looking on the forum at what other people had written and going, wow, they're really writing long songs. I thought they'd write simpler, shorter songs. And then I looked at my song and I've got three verses and yeah. you know, four lines of every verse and every chorus. So, uh, and, um, and maybe because I, I sort of suggested in the last thing, you know, we, we can praise God, but we can also praise God for specific things. Yeah. People then start to think, well, I need to bring in some sort of... Con- and that's that's fine, but it's really hard to get that balance of um, having some content and having some some specific things you're praising God for, but also keeping it simple. Um, so that's I've, that's been the challenge, and I think, you know, that's what I've struggled with. But it's, yeah, it's been agree. good I as think well. I've seen some good looking, stuff. Looking across the stuff people have been writing, yeah, you're right. They're quite long. And maybe that's one of the biggest, the most difficult things for us as songwriters is being able to prune and throw stuff out and even leave out things that we quite like because yeah. even though in themselves they're good, the song's stronger potentially without them. Mm-hmm. Sam, I think you've picked one out that you quite like. Yes, I've picked one by Phil Reinhardt. Um, he's been writing quite a lot on the forum. I think he's done one for most of the months and he's written a song called Almighty uh, and he said on his little post that there's a lot of people in his church who are from kind of Caribbean backgrounds and often there's not many songs that relate. So he's done this kind of reggae slash calypso style song, um, which we can have a listen to. Cool. Our God is mighty, God of mercy, our God of love. Mighty, God is almighty, and His mercy fills us with love. As the water rises, the rain won't cease Now our world 
mighty. Our God is mighty. God of mercy. Uh, well, I really love what he's done with this musically and um, particularly in the chorus as well, the lyrics of the chorus. Uh, I think it's really easy to get this kind of music wrong. Um, I don't think Phil will mind us saying that he is a, a white fella. Yeah. Uh, and I think that <laughs> speaking as a, a fellow white fella, um, we can get this really wrong. Um, and I think he's done a really good job of it. He's. It sounds like he's got folks from a kind of Caribbean origin singing on it. Yeah. And it just to me, it, it, it sounds like he's done this really authentically. Uh, I love the vocals. They sound fantastic. And I, I think melodically it's so strong as well. I think it's really singable, uh, really fitting within the style. Um, so in terms of sort of developing it, I would just want to comment on the verses. Um He's got, as the water rises and the rain won't cease, now our world's in darkness, he will bring us peace. The mountains shatter, the skies on fire, as the nation's battle, he will lift us higher. So you can hear echoes of psalms and things in that. I just wonder whether he could be a bit more specific. It's very metaphorical. It is, isn't it? I'm not quite sure what it's about. Yeah. It's, in some and, of those bits. Yeah. And, and, and the action of God in this is seemingly to kind of lift us out or get us through of these difficulties um and i just to me that it doesn't really specify enough what it means for god to be mighty so uh you know you could talk about god coming against injustice bringing down the powerful the proud conquering sin and death um i think there's a lot that you could say um and I've just noticed that Phil's, I've commented on this on the forum and Phil's said he's he's going to have, you know, have a look at this and, and see what develops. So, you know, great to see that he's kind of considering this. But, because um, he's actually said that, that you know, as the water rises is about floods and the rain won't cease and the world and, you know, these kind of mountain shatters about earthquakes, the skies. He, he's actually, he's tried to make it about specific things, but he's done it in, in a sense, in a way that's so poetic. It sounds like an apocalyptic metaphor, doesn't it? Yeah, I very much took that as a metaphor, you know, that the waters are rising. I guess the I thought of, um, you know, Jesus' story about the, the two men and the, the foundations and the, you know, mm. that kind of thing. And so I think because you've got all those metaphors in your mind. And, and frankly, you know, certainly in England, most of us aren't living in places where I suppose there are floods, aren't there? But that's not our daily experience mm. um, is of, 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 of floods and rain. Um, it's... So, uh, yeah, I, I just think because it's so good, uh, I'd love to mm. see the verses develop into something that really, you know, nails some some truth about um, God's almighty power and what he does and how he makes a difference in our lives. Mm. Cool. I like it too. I, I just thought the chorus, mighty, our God is mighty. Repetit. We talked about it, haven't we? In, in praise songs, use repetition. Yeah. Um, he's repeated the melodies, repeated the same word. It's really nice. It's a good motif, and it's and it's simple. Good stuff. Well done, Phil. I picked out this one from James, and um, my soul longs for the Lord. This is totally different. Um, and you know, we set this lively praise song thing, and it's interesting what comes out. To to me, this one sounds a bit like a lively rewritten version of a fairly simple spiritual hymn or something let's let's have a listen my soul 
longs for the Lord when I am through. He quenches my thirst. My soul longs for the Lord. He is the light that guides me home. When I think on my Savior, hallelujahs pour out from me. If I stumble or falter, He carries me. So I sing, my soul longs for the Lord. When I am done, He quenches my thirst. My soul longs for the Lord. So that one sounds, it sort of sounds vintage, doesn't it? I think that's the best way to describe it. It's sort of, it, it's kind of dated, but for me, in a sort of vintage way where you feel like you're, it's got a kind of folk melody about it. Um, and, and I suppose I like it because you can easily imagine that when you say lively praise song, it means intense rock and roll or something. Yeah. And this is different. It's got a lightness to it and it's got a joy in it. Um, my soul, do, 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 do. Um, so I like that he's gone for that style and it's really singable and it's catchy. I can sing that melody back to you again. My just little idea is I wonder if you can almost make more of it because it's got a kind of singing it around the campfire kind of sound to it, hasn't it? And um, I wondered whether actually rather than my soul longs for the Lord, whether you could make it more kind of punchy. Do, 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 my soul longs for the Lord when I am dry. Quenches my thirst. Yeah. My soul longs for the Lord. And I also wondered whether, because this it's got really short verses again, which I love. I just think that's so mm. clever. Comes back to that. What about making the word thirst a bit melodic? So you, it's that's like a hook that you get to. So um, I'm going to try and improvise one. Do do do. My soul longs for the Lord when I am dry. He quenches my thirst. My soul, or you could even keep quenches my thirst. My soul longs for the Lord. So it's like a little moment that you land on and sing. I, I yeah, think there's a current. Like a hook, in, yeah, there's a current in um, worship music at the moment where we sort of realise we're allowed to add in melodies that we like um, in order to be melodic, rather than um, you know. So often there's a kind of a long note which just has a little melody in it, and that's a really nice mm. thing, and it would suit that style. All right, Sam, it's the moment of truth. Um, you've been writing this month. You've had to go a lively praise song. I would like to hear it. Okay. Um, well, without much ado, here yeah. we go. Praise God for His grace and mercy. Praise God for His might and power. Him for his love and kindness every day and every hour. God, we celebrate your goodness with our songs of praise. Ransomed, healed, restored, forgiven. Praise the God of grace. Praise him, joining all creation. Praise him. of angels now and for eternity God we celebrate your goodness 
songs of praise some till this Lord forgiven Praise the God of praise Praise Him with your heart and spirit Praise Him with your mind renewed Praise Him with your strength and power In all that you say and do God we celebrate your goodness With our songs of praise Ransomed, healed, restored, forgiven Praise the God of grace Yeah! Well done, Sam. Thanks. I, I turned my back to you while you sang that. Oh, did you? Yeah, well, no, I didn't. In the spirit of Darlene Checker. Yeah, in the spirit. Um, yeah, nice one. It's got a... Uh, I like the... Um, I like the tempo of the strum. I think that seems like a weird thing to say. But quite often, kind of lively praise songs have a kind of... Dum, 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 you know, and that's just... That's set at a really kind of walking pace strum with a bit of zest to it. Um, which makes it really playable. Because um, I find sometimes, you know, with these songs, you find you end up having to do a really fast rhythm to sort of lock into it. Yeah. So I like that you, I could just play that. Um, and the repeat of praise God for, praise God for, praise him for, praise him. That's that's great. So there's a repeat every time and it's the same little bit of melody and so on that works really well. Um, and I like that hook. God, God, we celebrate your goodness. It's really nice. It's really um, grabs you to sing. Um, one thing, um, I guess, two things that I might I might suggest. I just kind of wonder whether the main melody in the verse is a little bit, a little bit ugly. Yeah, <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, like when you say, to, "This is my baby." Yeah, I like it. It's just a little bit, it's a bit ugly. ugly. <laughs> um, and I was trying to. So analyze why it's the praise God for His. You've got so um you've got this sort of uh, what's the word um stable unstable unstable stable but it's a kind of a medium. St- and I wondered whether you ought to just make that a little bit more simple. What key are you in? G. G. Lovely. It's the perfect key. Praise God for His grace and mercy. Praise God for His something where you so you just got a smoother melody there. Whereas when you'd go into the chorus, you go, God, we celebrate your... That makes a hook for me. Okay. I don't know why, but that opening melody, it's like you kind of land on a suspension, which just, we didn't really want. We just want it just... Uh, I don't okay, know, something so a bit al- more plain. It almost peaks, peaks too early. In, I think so, in, yeah. Okay, yeah, yeah, that makes sense. Maybe just have a little play with that. And then yeah. um, the other thing is that in the chorus, the words, how you get from how you sort of leap into Ransomed Hill, Restored, Forgiven, which is brilliant and it sings well, but there's not really quite a sort of a, a, a sort of a proper, quite a proper grammatical thread to it, is there? And I think you, in a sense, you know that, and it, it's just kind of how to... Um, the point is that we're Ransomed Hills, Restored, Forgiven, aren't we? Whereas everything else yeah. is going about him, and suddenly there's a line about us. Um, I, I know, and, and this misses me trying to cut down the, the amount of syllables... Um, which I think is the, the tension, isn't it? Sometimes you so you want to cut things out to make it simpler, but then you can sometimes lose the sort of grammar of it a little yeah. bit. Yeah. Um, so I had something like da da celebrate your goodness, lifting up our songs of praise, kind of thing. Yeah. Which gave me that little bit extra space to be able to go, 
Ransom to restore forgiven, we will praise a God. Or praise, I think yeah. I nicked the whole, the whole bit from praise. My, um, praise with us, the God of grace. Yeah. yeah, praise with us, the God of grace. So, but I sort of wanted it to be pithier. Um, I, yeah, I, 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 can't, I can't get too worried about it because I don't think that the, the ambiguity leads to any any particular heresy or <laughs> unclarity. Um, but if, 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 yeah, if there's suggestions, I can, I can see, I can see that it is slightly unclear at the moment. Yeah. Cool. Nice job though. Nice job. Shall I pay you what I've done? Yes, please. I feel like mine is very much, I've just kind of taken a formula and plugged the bits. Well, that's sort of, it's a little bit what we ask people to do, isn't it? Yeah. So have a go. Plug it into a formula. So that's what I've done. I think I might have ripped off several of my own songs. This is the day of celebration, our day of thankfulness. This is the day when we remember our God's great love for us. This is the day when we bring our offering, when we make our joyful sound. This is the day we come to seek Him as grace and truth abound. For oh, we have a Savior. There you go. Hey. That's all I've got for you. Nice Simple one. formula. Bing, bang, bish, bash, bosh. Yeah, I like it. Um, I like the sort of freshening up of the sort of this is the day. I can only think of this is the day. <laughs> yeah. This is the day. You chose, uh, a, you chose to freshen up a, one of the great hymns of our time, and I chose to freshen up this is the another day. one. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, I like that. Um, I think there's a little bit of an issue of... Um, ripping off your own um come with a song of celebration come to your king what's that song what's there may that, be a that? certain amount of ripping off one of my own songs yeah that's yeah. listen to the sound yeah uh yeah listen to the sound um i thought if i just changed where the chords change you wouldn't notice no i still noticed um and yeah and i i i don't i don't think the chorus is quite there um I feel like we all praise, we all praise. It's, it's, I, I'm, I'm not sure um, if it's sort of unique enough, really. Yeah. Um, and, and the courts of the king, I'm not really sure what I'm talking about there, being in the courts of the king. So I think, I think there's, a, there's, there's some, really, some really strong stuff. I like the way the chords don't, you know, the chords take a long time to change. I like the melodies. Um, and I like the kind of basic idea, but I think you can keep pushing with t- to make it really stand out. Because I think this is the this is the really challenging thing with this mm. challenge is actually as much as we say simplify, as much as we say you know use tried and tested chord progressions. Mm. Um, ultimately, you know if if the song doesn't grab you as being different in some way, 
to other things, then you're just going to use another song. Uh, I totally agree. I totally agree <laughs> with everything you said. And um, uh, but having done it, as this is what always happens, isn't it? There are bits of it actually I quite like, and yeah. I wouldn't have got them if I hadn't had a go. So even that idea of this thing about this is a because I was just thinking about in a way this is a song for Sunday. It's yeah. sort of for when we gather on a on a Sunday. It's a kind of gathering song. It's a song of praise. Um, even if it's not this song, I quite like having that idea of a praise yeah. song, which just says, "This is a special day. Here we are. Yeah, let's do it." Yeah, I, th- I think I think that's a, that's a that's a gap in the repertoire. Nice. Twelve song challenge. Let's set the challenge for June. Um, I, so I did. Um, I music facilitated for Pentecost <laughs> on uh, a few weeks ago and I went to pick the songs and I looked at I think I did it last year or the year before and I looked at what I picked there and I went and I just thought oh, I can't find there still don't seem to be any more songs that I really want to sing here um, and that's partly you know I'm a bit um, sheltered and I don't always know all the newest songs that are out there but songs Holy Spirit songs um there just always seems to be some kind of dearth of them, doesn't there? So um, yeah. I think we should all have a go at writing Holy Spirit songs. And I think probably, you're going to talk to us for a moment, aren't you? I think the, just the kind of the one thing I want to say is that Holy Spirit songs are often asking songs. It's kind of give me, give, give me, give me, give me. And there's a sense in which actually that's, a, that's right. That's a right approach to the Holy Spirit because that is what, you know, it's what the Bible tells us, what Jesus, you know, the Holy Spirit is here to minister and to help and to empower and, and all these things. So we kind of look to the Holy Spirit for stuff. And it makes sense that when we sing to or about the Holy Spirit, um, there's a kind of asking thing going on. But my sense is also that it could be much richer and much broader. So, um, Sam, give us some of your special wisdom. Well, um, yeah, I mean, the reasons why we haven't got so many Holy Spirit songs, I think there's there's quite a few. And I I was reading a really good article um, yesterday by a guy called Lester Ruth, who's an American um, worship theologian, uh, on a website called Artistic Theologian. There's an article Mm. which has got a really long name called Some Similarities and Differences Between Historical Evangelical Hymns and Contemporary Worship Songs. Uh, I think you could have come up with a better title for that. But... um, if you look that up, um, it gives you, uh, basically they compare some evangelical hymns from, uh, I guess, the last 200 years, uh, and then they compare them to, to modern worship songs. And, and there's some stuff in there about why we don't sing to the Holy Spirit or why we sing in such a narrow way. Mm. Um, but I think one of, the, one of the big things is that people associate the Holy Spirit with either charismatic Christianity or with Pentecostal Christianity, and they almost think that that those groups have you know the the sole um ownership of the spirit and i guess what then happens is either people who are not in those streams kind of think well we're not re- we won't really do the holy spirit um or the people in who are in those streams limit the spirit to just a kind of experiential where in your presence we can feel you you're so close mm. um and i think both of those are are kind of missing something uh, and I did. I read a book a while ago um, by Michael Eaton called "Baptism with the Spirit," uh, where he had this really good paragraph. That says a doctrine of a baptism of the Spirit is not an innovation of the charismatic movement, nor even of the Pentecostal movement, whose origins date from the turn of the century. Earlier in the history of the church, there has been several strands of Christian thinking which have experienced of the Spirit distinct and subsequent to Christian conversion. And so, basically, what he's saying is, you know, you can look through the history of the church and you can see how different um, denominations, different streams, 
they've had different um, approaches of an experience of the Spirit, which you know aren't limited to the Charismatics and to the Pentecostals. And he lists some of those as being, um, some of them would really relate that around baptism and the Lord's Supper. So they would see a particular coming of the Spirit at baptism or uh, as the, the God fills the, the bread and wine. Also, a lot of them would associate it with a conversion, with people becoming Christians. Um, some of it, some people would see it as a kind of a second thing after conversion. Mm. Um, there's those who would see it as a gift of holiness. So the Holy Spirit comes and sanctifies, makes us holy. Uh, there's the Holy Spirit coming and giving us power for service. So kind of empowering us to go and do God's work. There's the Holy Spirit coming in and giving the gifts of the Spirit that we read about in, in uh, the New Testament. Uh, and then there's also that sense of assurance of salvation, of kind of sealing our salvation. So, we, do, you know, do we really know we're saved? And some strands have, um, have associated the Spirit with that. And I was thinking of things we might add on to that. Um, I think, to, you know, today we would say the Holy Spirit sends us out for mission. Yeah. Um, I think that he would come and bring uh, physical and emotional healing. So we might have a song or a service where we we talk about we sing about the spirit coming in and restoring us um jesus talks about the spirit leading us into all truth yeah so maybe that's an angle that we've not written about or sung about enough that actually the spirit is gonna you know reveal uh what the scripture means reveal the truth of god to us um i think there's that side of challenging and convicting that we're not so good at singing about but actually the, <laughs> yeah. sometimes the spirit is is uncomfortable isn't he He kind of he kind of stirs us up um i think and then there is you know there is the the great stuff that we've we've benefited from from the charismatic and Pentecostal church of you know having an awareness of god's presence of having a a sense of his of his being with us knowing his his love around us so i guess what i want to challenge people with um with this month's challenge is to take the holy spirit out of whatever box you've put him in uh, and particularly to do that by reading scripture. So you could look at the different images of the spirit in scripture. You could look at Acts 2, talks about a rushing wind, yeah. talks about tongues of fire, um, you know, the evangelism that springs from that, the boldness. You could look at Matthew 3, Jesus being baptized and the Holy Spirit looking like a dove coming upon him and that, that sense of choosing and setting apart and, you know, God's... Uh, you know, pleasure being um, kind of bestowed on Jesus. Uh, you could look at John 7, fantastic passage where you know, Jesus stands up in the and the festival, which was a festival where they used to pour great um, gallons and gallons of water down the streets of Jerusalem to, to represent the, the water gushing from the rock in the Exodus story. And Jesus stands up in that context and says, if you're thirsty, come to me and drink. Mm. You know, rivers of living water will flow out from you. Yeah. Um, and by John, which he meant the spirit by which John's, yeah, God, yeah. John gives us that like handy <laughs> little useful, isn't it? I know <laughs> yeah otherwise we'd okay. be debating it to this day what he was talking yeah. about but John says no he was talking about the spirit yeah. um, or you know there's the stuff in the towards the end of John uh, 14 for example uh, Jesus saying I will ask the father and he will give you another counsellor to be with you forever the spirit of truth that sort of sense of comforter, comforter mm. counsellor Um and there's lots more, isn't there? Um, and one of the things, if I know um, when we did a, the Easter challenge, a few people picked up the Tom Wright book, Surprised by Hope. Yeah. And um, 
uh, if people want another kind of reading challenge, there's a really good book called The Spirit in Worship, Worship in the Spirit, which is edited by Teresa Berger and Brian Spinks. And it's one of those books, it's quite academic, but it's got a chapter by different people. So it's got a chapter by Tom Wright. It has a chapter by Darlene Check about a Hillsong yeah. approach to the spirit. But it also has uh, the presence of God in Jewish liturgy, the spirit Ooh. in Eastern Orthodox worship, in the Catholic tradition, in the Ethiopian tradition, yeah. in African-American worship tradition, charismatic. So um, it's got this really broad range. And as well as maybe going to, to scripture, people might be inspired by looking at other traditions as well and seeing you know, how has the spirit been talked about? Um, and then having done, you know, a bit of research and Bible yeah. reading or some, some reading from other places, I would just encourage people to take, you know, maybe one aspect of the spirit or a, a kind of a bunch of related aspects and write a song on that, um, that, that, you know, talks about the Holy Spirit in a, in a fresh way or in a way that is relevant to your church or to where you're at. Yeah. I think I would just add, um, that, often because of the nature of the spirit we almost always have to talk in metaphors don't we and yeah and it would be it's really easy to accidentally mix up your metaphors when you're writing so just when yes. you when you're writing you know be, be aware of what you're doing and if you're talking about water don't suddenly throw in a wind reference or or do it intentionally yeah. in different verses you know off you know if i guess don't do it unintentionally that's what i'm i'm saying watch out for that because you can you can kind of get a bit lost in it My, yeah, Make the set most us on of fire a and model. set us on fire and pour your water on us. You know, it's it's, yeah, it's, it's getting we're... a bit confused, isn't it? <laughs> so we're into it, doesn't it? Um, the, I, the the final question really on that then is when we're writing our spirit song is um, people sometimes argue about this, don't they? Should we sing to the spirit? Ah, great question. Well, my view, and you may disagree with me on this, Joel, is I see the spirit as um, he's obviously part of the Trinity, part of the Godhead. And I don't think there are many examples in the Bible where the Trinity is, uh, sorry, where the Spirit is singled out and where he's kind of talks about himself or he draws attention to himself. Um, the Creed says, with the Father and the Son, he is worshipped and glorified. And so that suggests to me that we ought to be talking about the Spirit in relation to the Father and the Son. Um, and I do struggle a little bit if a song only talks to the spirit and um, extensively glorifies the spirit without any reference to the other people. I think to me that doesn't follow the New Testament pattern. Hmm. Um, yes, we worship in the spirit and we worship the spirit because he is part of the Godhead. But I think that it's most helpful and um, most follows the New Testament when we talk about him in relation to the rest of the, the kind of work of God. Yeah. Do you agree with that? I think I think um, I think I probably do. I I suspect that there's no um, you're never really doing a bad thing by glorifying the spirit, but you might individually, but you might do a better thing by doing that in relation to the rest of the Godhead. Um, yeah, I agree with Sam. Maybe. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for that very I'm, clear answer. I'm going to order that book. <laughs> <laughs> It's a difficult one, isn't it? It is tough, but um, yeah. Well, have a play with it and see, you know, see what you come up with, and we'll we'll critique one another and see what we do. Thanks, Sam. So, Holy Spirit songs for this month. Um, take some time to search the scriptures, uh, read a book. Sam suggested a good one, and then come at it afresh and um, kind of try and particularly sort of home in on one particular 
idea if you can or carefully structure different ideas together into a song we'll see what we come up with and then next year when it comes to pentecost i'll be able to say yes. brilliant i've got this whole set of songs that i can sing It's time to move on to the workshop, and for this section of the podcast, I'm delighted to be joined by the excellent Matthew Osgood. Matt, welcome. Thank you, Joel. It's great to be back. Matt, you and I have known each other for a long time. Um, Goodness me, yes. You were almost a teenager, I think, back in the I, back in the olden days. I think that's true. Twenty years. And and you've been doing. I know you've been doing recording uh, for a long time. You used to do production for a school's dance band that you did. You did some work for. For Youth for Christ, is that for, right, for Youth for Christ? Or you did a year out with them? Yes, that's right, with their band, TVB, and then uh, helped write material for them and produce a couple of recordings that they did. And you actually got me into recording. I remember, You may not remember this, but when I first started, when I was working up in York, and I wanted a computer to start trying to do some recording on, you pointed me in the direction of the computer I would need and the software I would need, and ah, you got no, the ball rolling. I had forgotten that. Yeah, ah. so you are to blame for lots Marvellous. of this. What great um, reminiscing. Oh, absolutely. But what better person then to help us with a workshop, which is going to be about recording your own demo of your song. Um, it's something that loads of us do as um, worship songwriters um, and to differing levels and differing degrees. And for some people, it's a real kind of joy and an art form. And for others, it's quite a scary thing. Um, but they'd like to do it, but just no idea where to start. And we're going to try and sort of cover a lot of ground. Great. Um, and I know you've been, uh, you've recently set up a thing, haven't you, which is to, which is specifically working with worship songwriters and recording their stuff. Do you want to just tell us a little bit about what you've been doing? Yep, sure. It's a uh, service for worship songwriters um, who want to get their songs recorded, but perhaps don't have either the time, the equipment, the musicians um, available. Um, so, yeah, it's... Uh, based at the innovatively named www.worshipsongrecording.com and it's very simple any songwriter anywhere in the world um can send me their song so just you know record it into a phone yeah uh, kind of thing send it to me with a chord chart um this is what i'd like it to sound um so you know with some reference tracks that kind of thing any arrangement ideas you have and then uh, i've got a little team of musicians together we will produce your song and we can set it up so that it is possible if people want to provide their own lead vocal, they can do that. Mm. Um, but uh, yeah, other than that, the idea is that within a very short time frame, songwriters will have a really polished, professional sounding version of their song, which they can share, which I suppose is a lot of the part of the purpose of it. I and mean, why do people actually want to record their songs in the first mm. place? Well, primarily it's so that they can be shared. Um, and that, I guess, can be for a whole load of different purposes. Um, some people, you know, just want to send them to kind of friends and families. But I guess a lot of people, if you're writing worship songs, then you will want them to be used in either your church or possibly churches further afield. Yeah. And that's going to necessitate some kind of recording to let other musicians know kind of how it goes, what you have in mind, and so forth. And that's where a, a more professional demo can really help. Um I think a lot of songwriters listening to this will have had the experience of um, going to the person who, whoever it is, who chooses uh, the songs that get used in in their church and say, oh, "I've got, I've got this new song," yeah. and they 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 play their song and it's just them and an acoustic guitar and you know maybe actually a lot of writers aren't necessarily the best singers in the world and the person 
who's choosing the songs kind of listens to it and goes, well, okay. But then they're also listening to the latest album from Bethel or yeah. Hillsong or, you know, wherever, Sovereign Grace, whatever it is, and it just sounds amazing. And as much as you might want to say, oh, you know, really listen to the song, don't listen to the production. Yeah. Of course we're influenced by the production. Of course. If someone, you know, puts a song together and they have an amazing vocal on it and, and, and huge production behind it, it's just going to sound more appealing yeah. um, than, you know, a scratchy demo that's recorded on a phone. Uh, with just a guitar with maybe not a great vocal i was thinking about this and um about how a song has to either be experienced live in a in a real kind of live worship setting for you to grab it or it needs to be listened to quite a few times doesn't it you sort of need to, yeah, you, you right. need to have yeah. it on repeat in order to get it and that's the thing which just here's my song i'll play it to you can't do and yep. unless you just absolutely nail it and it's amazing and you're amazing and the world is amazing the chances are you need one of those other things to happen but in order to get there you either need to to have that access to be able to do it live in a way that people can experience it and then they say yeah i'd like to go and sing this yeah or you need to do a recording which someone actually is going to want to listen to more than once i guess don't you that's right and and i think also there is something about um you know people can kind of disparage productions and say and you, and you do find this you know there are albums that are put out there i think matt and dan weeks were talking on the podcast really um uh, i guess a few times ago about this there are songs on albums which possibly you know were it not for the amazing production mm. you would just think this is not a great song mm. so to a certain extent production can conceal the flaws in a song or, or you know obscure them in some way but also production helps bring out what is already there in a song you know if you have a song which has uh, a chorus which you want to be kind of you know huge and anthemic and it's just going to lift people uh, up in praise you know the music is part of that it's not just the, the the melody and the lyrics those are obviously the most important things that people are going to engage with but how that's supported is really important as well and it requires quite a, a leap of imagination. Again, if it's just you there with the acoustic guitar or just you there on the piano and in your head, you know, it just sounds mm. epic and there are harmony vocals there. Um, just really adding that kind of emotional lift that supports the meaning of the lyrics. Um, in your head, that might sound amazing. Um, in reality, when you're just there in a room with someone else, not so much. We're going to um, talk about how the songwriters listening to this can kind of essentially can come up with their own demos and do their own kind of recordings and so on. Yeah. I guess for a lot of our guys, their main thing will be, I want to be able to share this with the other musicians in my church, with other people yep. um, more locally. So um, just linking to what you said first, we had a question from um, Gav on Facebook, which was about, he says, um, do you feel a good song will stand out with just an acoustic recording or do we need to wait to hear a full recording before judging the quality of the song? That is a great question. Um, and you really hope that the answer is yes, that a great song will stand out with just an acoustic recording. Um, and and often, you know, there can be you know, plenty of songs which do work beautifully just with the simplest of arrangements. Mm. But if you were writing you know, the next kind of happy day or the way you know if you're writing an up-tempo song 
you know that really is is dependent on the drums carrying it. It's dependent on some uh, you know electric guitar riffs because that's that's essential to the sounds that you're wanting. So I think a certain amount of that, the answer to that question depends on on the genre of yeah. the song that you are writing. Um, if it's a much more simple reflective song, actually, an acoustic demo is probably just fine. We we're talking earlier about um, you know how people can do that well. Um, so I guess the couple of things I would say to so people who are absolutely just starting out with recording their own songs, mm. um, one thing to consider is are you the best person to sing it? Uh, and that that is difficult because that requires some kind of honest self-assessment of your own voice. But if there is someone in your church who is a great singer, yeah, get them over. You know, teach them the song and get them to sing it um, for a couple of reasons. One is as soon as you get somebody else to sing your song, you realize if they say, oh, but I really can't sing that bit of the melody, <laughs> then yeah. you're like, oh, well, I probably need to change it. So that's quite useful in and of itself. But when you're sharing a worship song, it's all about the melody. That's what you want people to, to pick up. That's what you want people to sing. Um, if you don't have the best voice... And if your, you know, if your intonation or the tone of your voice is in some way going to distract from that, well, just get someone who's really good at singing. Get them to come around uh, and record it with just the two of you. That would be the first step, I would say. Yeah. Do you think most people know whether they're good at singing? Do, do you know what I mean? It's, it's one thing saying that, but do we? I'm, I'm always a bit, you know, I'm always a bit reluctant to sing, and yet I always seem to end up singing on loads of things. Um, <laughs> But I feel like I've got a Joel. You've a, got a great voice. No, but I feel like I've got a good idea of my level. But maybe I haven't. I mean, maybe that's that's a really difficult thing to do. Yeah, I mean, I think yeah. If you listen back to yourself enough time, I mean, I know most people hate listening yeah. to the sound of themselves singing. But you know, just keep keep going with it because everybody hates it. So just the fact that you hate it doesn't necessarily mean you don't have a good voice. And um, the the main thing to listen out for really actually is is tuning. Because I don't think I don't think I've got a great tone to my voice, but I know I can sing basically in tune, and you know, such is the wonders of computer trickery Nothing nowadays. That a computer won't fix. <laughs> yeah, exactly. We can sort out the rest. Um, but if if your if your tuning is not right, and if you don't have the facilities to correct that, that will just be off-putting to other musicians who are listening to it. But the other thing is actually, if there is somebody that you know and you just think when you hear them sing you're like wow you know he or she just has a great voice yeah get that voice involved yeah you know then it's 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 almost irrelevant how well you know you can sing um but get someone who can really convey that song uh in the way that you want to um and then i mean i guess in terms of the the quality of the recording that you're doing um you know the absolute bare minimum is just sticking your phone on a table and, and playing into it um I mean, what so what would you use yeah. for that so you you know there, are there particular apps and things that you, I, do you know there, of? yeah there are there are there are loads um for both android and ios loads of sort of voice recorder memo apps and that's what i that's what i use for um you know putting down sketches for songs that i'm writing yeah. and often you know if you're just walking down the street um, and you know, melodic idea occurs to you, then you just have to. It happens to all of us. Surreptitiously <laughs> sing it into your phone when you know, hopefully, nobody's walking very close to you and thinking that you're 
deeply weird. Um, so, so that is useful for that. But for anything beyond just your own kind of personal notebook, I would suggest it was worth investing in an external microphone of some sort. So if you've got a laptop or iPad or something like that, um, there are various USB microphones that won't cost much, you know, but even something that's 20 or 30 quid will be better in quality than um, just what you have, the sort of internal yeah. mic. Um, so that would be the, you know, the, the first kind of improvement in quality. And then in terms of the software that you're recording to, I mean, loads of people asking, you know, what's the best um, door digital audio workstation? What's the best door to use? They're all good. You know, it really doesn't matter whether you're using you know, GarageBand or Logic uh, uh, on a Mac, mm. um, uh, Cubase, um, any of those. A lot of those programs as well, Cubase, I know you probably know more about this than I do, but I think it has a sort of Elements version, which is a very yeah. simple cut-down yeah, version, yeah. which you know is... is which um, probably does cheap. everything that I actually need it to. Yeah. I don't know why I've got the whole <laughs> yeah, version. save you several hundred pounds. But there are really cheap, cheap programs out there as well. Um, Reaper, I haven't used myself, but I've heard a lot of people recommend, and I think it costs £60. And that, yeah. you know, basically has all the functionality of a real kind yeah. of professional high And then there's Audacity, door. isn't there, which is the free, is free open source yeah. one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, I mean, again, if you're just recording audio, then Audacity would do a great job. Just going back to the to the microphone thing, give, give me an idea what I might actually put in my search engine or... What am I actually looking for? Because there's a whole range of stuff, isn't there? And I'm sure I can find some rubbish as well. Yeah, as absolutely. Useful. I mean, you know, just a simple um, USB microphone, that would be is one step up from the internal mic on, on your laptop. If you are more serious about recording your demos, then probably the best purchase you can make is a an external sound card. Yeah. So again, it could be USB, could be Firewire, uh, could be Thunderbolt, though you're unlikely to get that at the sort of budget end. Something that's got two inputs and two outputs. Yeah. Um, probably a um, Presonus. So that'd be called an audio interface, wouldn't an it? An audio interface, yeah. that's right. Yeah, so uh, M-Audio, Presonus. There's lots there of options loads, around that. Yeah, but yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, and, and then a condenser microphone. Yeah. So, I mean, I would really recommend the Rode NT1. I think it's now, the new version is the NT1A. Um, but that is a... Uh, it is a cheap microphone that sounds like it costs several hundred pounds, and it yeah. doesn't. The other thing to consider is looking looking on eBay, getting something secondhand, getting yeah. you know uh, a mic that was sort of three or four hundred pounds new, pick it up for a hundred, hundred and fifty, and then that's a microphone that you can use on both your voice and your guitar or piano. Um, and then a lot of the audio interfaces that you would get, they'll either have line input, so if you play keyboard, you can just record your keyboard straight in. Um, or they've got a MIDI interface so that you can take just take one MIDI cable out from yeah. your keyboard into whatever software you're using, which will probably have some kind of built-in piano. Yeah, and a lot of MIDI stuff is on USB now, isn't it? So quite a lot of keyboards Absolutely. now have a USB yeah. connection just to make it nice and easy. So say you haven't got, let's just, just backtrack, you haven't got any of this stuff, but you have got a phone or a laptop or something, or you've just got one little microphone or something, and I want to record myself singing a song, me and a guitar, do I just kind of stick the microphone on the desk and play and sing, or is there a way to, to make sure I get a good balance or the best sound? Yeah, when recording guitar, it's quite tempting to put whatever microphone it is that you're using right up to the sound hole of the guitar, which yeah. is not a great way 
to get a good sound. You get a very boomy sound. So, I mean, that applies whether you're using a you know a nice condenser mic um, outside the guitar or whether it is just your phone. Um, don't sit it right in front of the sound hole. Um, get a little bit of distance. Um, what you will find probably is if you have a microphone that's sitting on a table sort of two or three feet away from you, you will almost inevitably pick up a lot of the sound of the room because the microphones that are in phones or laptops, they're omnidirectional. They pick up sound from all over the place. And our brains are very clever at kind of, you know, filtering out that room noise. And, um, you know, we think we're just hearing the direct sound of someone's voice, but actually the microphone will pick up everything. It will pick up all the reflections from the walls and so forth. Um, so you need to find a balance between getting the mic as close to you as you can yeah, to minimise that room sound, but also not so close that you're so loud that it then overloads and distorts. Okay. Yeah. Um, so that's just a matter of experimenting. Um, and worth trying different rooms as well. Um, you're probably best recording it, say, in a lounge that's got sofas and stuff, so that's going to be quite dead yeah. sounding. Um, if you record it in a bathroom with lots of hard, reflective walls, then it's... <gasps> Well, it's, it's just going to sound like it's recorded in a bathroom. <laughs> Absolutely, like you are singing down the toilet, and that's probably going to be quite distracting for anyone listening. So let's say we've done, we've got a little bit more complex, and I've said, uh, again, just for simplicity's sake, I recorded the guitar separately, and I did that in the lounge under the sofa, and I recorded my voice probably not probably not under, not the, under the sofa. The, okay, <laughs> I've got these two tracks now on my bit of audio software and so on. Can you just sort of give us one or two pointers of kind of simple things I could do to them now to just make them sound a bit better or a bit more professional or a bit more listenable? Um, yes, absolutely. A lot of doors, I'm pretty sure GarageBand um, does on the Mac, which is what I use, um, and I'm sure things like Cubase Elements and Reaper would do this as well, would have some elementary pitch correction um, available. Um, if you can set that so that it's not you know, kind of on max all the time to give yeah. you that sort of, you know, T-Pain or share kind of um, massively auto-tuned sound. But just so that it corrects um, the worst anomalies, that is well worth doing. I know some people will hate me for saying that and saying you're so inauthentic. Yeah. But again, that's just what people are used to. It's interesting. You listen back to, you know, albums from the 90s before auto-tune was widespread and you listen to the vocals and you think, my goodness me, you know, yeah. these, are, these are all over the place. And it's quite jarring now because we have just got used to it. Now, whether that's right or wrong is a conversation for another time. But if you've got that, that's great. The second thing to do with your vocal would be to put a little bit of compression okay, on it. Okay, this sounds now, like magic. A yes. Well, it is, really. But all a compressor is doing is it takes the loudest bits of your vocal and turns them down a little bit. So then you can bring the level of the whole track up and so the quieter bits become louder and because the louder bits have been turned down, what you get is a vocal that um, just sits nicely, that's consistent, a, a consistent level. So it's not kind of buried under the guitar in the quiet verse and kind of, you know, blaring out in the loud chorus. Um, start If you're not sure what you're doing, Start with something gentle. Start with a, a ratio of two to one. Start with it doing, you know, maybe about five to ten 
dBs of gain reduction, which that will all be there on. You'll have a meter. So that will make sense if I listen. That will make to this sense if you're sitting there with I'm a compressor plugin. Yeah, yeah, you'll go. Ah, oh, there's oh, a ratio setting, yeah. and there's yeah. a, yeah. Um, on that there, I would really, really recommend that if you are genuinely interested in honing your craft uh, in recording, mixing, and engineering, and so forth, um, subscribe to the Recording Revolution channel on YouTube. I okay. cannot recommend that highly enough. Um, it's a guy called Graham Cochran. Who, I mean, he he's a Christian and a worship leader as well. So you know, you can hear that in some of the audio examples um, that he he uses. But it's basically just really good, basic um, teaching about EQ. So equalization, tone control is about compression, about kind of prioritizing different elements of a mix. Um, all of that. It is fantastic. There is a wealth of material there, freely available. Brilliant. So let, I'm going to kind of sort of summarize some of the things I think we said is that um, at the outset we kind of talked about the performance if you're going to record something you've got to record a good performance of it if you want that to become a good recording and so we talked about get someone else to come and sing it or I guess if you know if it is a rock song but you've really only got an acoustic guitar there's a skill in conveying that with one instrument isn't there which again you might have or you might not have so being able to find somebody who can do that yeah and, and 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 just on that i mean even if you only have an acoustic guitar and a microphone but you do have um the capacity to record more than one track at a time which you you should do you need that and there yeah. are lots of free ways in which you can you can get that so there's no kind of budget issues there yeah. You, yeah. you could use something like audacity make your own drum loop using your acoustic guitar like just just hit it you know, you've yeah. got a you've got a kick drum um, on the side, and then a snare drum. You know, damp the damp the strings and hit the hit the um, hit the string. Just make, give yourself a loop. Even yeah. that will help you. And then you know, just take that one bar that you've got in time, and then just loop it for the whole length of the track. Um, and uh, and and there you go. Immediately, you, you you've done. You, you've taken one little step towards reducing the gap that people have to have in their imagination. Yeah. And then we said, so so actually getting a bit of software, a bit of dedicated software, you can either spend, you know, you can spend hundreds and hundreds on Pro Tools and everything down to you can get something for free like Audacity and there's a whole bunch of stuff in between. That's worth doing. And then in terms of sort of two main bits of equipment you recommend, get an external audio interface, yep. which has sort of two in or two out, something like that, and and a microphone. Yes, that is, and the, and the microphone, because there are lots of different kinds of microphones, aren't there? You know, we hear about condensers and um, dynamics and ribbons, and what are we looking for? Um, yeah, a condenser microphone, especially if you're going to be recording acoustic guitar, you know, you can use anything, you know, just a beta SM58, it's a dynamic microphone um, that you have lying around at church. You know, you can use that. I'm talking into an SM58 at the moment, and it doesn't yeah. sound terrible. Um, but to get the most detail, um, a condenser microphone is going to be the thing. Don't get distracted. It's a classic thing, and I have to remind myself of this. It's it's the skill. It's not the gear. Never, ever fall into the trap, which I have fallen into many a time, that, oh, if I just had that plug-in or that yeah. microphone, yeah, then... I'd be able to make a professional recording. No. And then let, finally, let's say we've 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 done this and we've done our you know recorded several tracks and we've mixed them and we've compressed them a bit and, and so on. And then just uh, in terms of what we you know what format we put we put it out into because then you get to the end and you've got these choices of do I use a WAV or an AAC or an MP3 or a, you know blah blah blah. 
Yeah, I mean, for emailing to other people, say if you just want to share it with the musicians on your team, um, some kind of compressed format is going to be necessary because a WAV, will, which is uncompressed, will be huge. It'll probably be about 40 or 50 meg for a three or four minute song. Um, I mean, any of those are okay. So MP3... I tend to just send things around um, using that because it's completely universal. That's probably the most commonly, yeah. commonly used, isn't it? So, you're, so you're sort of safest, aren't you? If you, yeah. if you do MP3, everyone will be able to play it. And um, I mean, the final stage, and again, you hear a lot of, um, there's a lot of mystique around this. You know, once you've mixed your track, um, people who are just getting into recording will be aware that there is a final stage, which is mastering. Um, and this is this kind of dark art um, that nobody really understands. Um, but essentially what you're doing when you are mastering a recording is you're making it ready for the distribution format that you, you know, that you're using to to get that song out there. Um, so in the olden days, you know, that was about making it so that it would work on vinyl. So that actually physically, you know, you didn't have so much bass that the needle actually bounced out of the groove. That was okay. one of the, uh, um, you know, the kind of the original requirements. Um, a lot of mastering is about making stuff louder just so that it, um, you know, sounds at a comparable level with what you'll hear uh, on uh, on a commercial recording. When you say louder, you don't just mean turning it up, do you? No. So essentially how that's done is by using limiting. So what that does is it stops the peak levels or it reduces the level of all, of all the peaks in your track, reduces them down, and then you can turn everything else up. So a little bit like compression, except um, it's, a, it's a what's called a brick wall. So it's, it's like on, this far and no yeah. far. Whereas compression, you know, when you go over a certain level, it just turns it down a bit. Limiting, it's like you are not going over this level at all. Yeah. So you can limit your track to the extent where, you know, a whisper at the beginning of the track or the first kind of gently picked acoustic guitar chord actually sounds at the same level as the full-on rock ending of the song, but then you've robbed your song of all kind of dynamics. If you're not sure, just do a bit, you know. That's, yeah. that's generally the safest thing. If you're not quite sure what you're doing with EQ, well, do sort of half of what you were thinking. You know, don't, if you're thinking, oh, if I do a kind of... 15 db boost at 8k it sounds amazing well actually that's a little bit extreme so maybe just try seven and yeah. uh, once you've recorded your song you've put a few tracks together you've mixed it you've done some kind of mastering which may just be running it into a limiter so that the overall level goes up by three or four db take that song take that recording and listen to it in a bunch of different places you know, burn it onto a cd listen to it in your car it's a classic yeah. um, listen to it on headphones listen to it on your laptop Email it to yourself. Listen to it on on your phone. Um, you know, do all those things because often different listening environments will highlight. Say, oh gosh, actually, I thought I was making the vocal kind of quite bright, but it's really kind of offensive. You know, it's yeah. really really harsh. So I need to go back to my mix. And I need to tame that. Brilliant, Matt. Thanks very much. Um, that's uh, there's plenty to work with, and uh, well, I guess we might hear some more demos from people in the weeks and months to come. Absolutely. Hope so. Thank you, Matt. Uh, all that remains is for me to introduce our featured song, this time Those Who Hope by David Caswell. With just over three weeks to go until the start of the Worship Songwriting Retreat, and there is still one place available, so it's not too late. 
Um, this is the perfect song to feature because it was written at last year's retreat by David, who was one of the delegates there, and we sang it together and we worked on it together, and we love it. It's really simple, so I think um, you'll enjoy singing it as well. And in the next episode, we're going to be bringing you my interview with uh, Damien Herbert uh, from Big Ministries and Nigel Hemming, writer of uh, That Kid Song, that I'm that sure you know. Famous. Di- di- um, really yeah. excited about that because we've been trailing uh, doing stuff about kid songs for ages. So. Um, You'll, you'll get that as the next one and then after that we will do some sort of workshop and challenge around writing kids and all age songs absolutely do get in touch with your questions and comments via uh, facebook.com slash resoundworship.org via twitter at resoundworship or email us on podcast at resoundworship.org until next time bye 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 Yeah.